everyone, Terry Welbrock here. Have some exciting announcements before we start the show, which is an amazing interview. Uh, just, oh my gosh, one of my favorites so far. Such a great conversation, but for my exciting announcements. So I was invited onto another podcast recently, and um, in the invitation that had been sent to me, uh, this person had listed that they were in the top 3% of podcasts on Listen Notes. So I thought, oh, I'm going to pop over there and see where the Healing Place podcast ranks. And so Listen Notes um, has what they call a global ranking. And it said on there, when I pulled up the Healing Place podcast, this podcast is one of the top 2.5% most popular shows out of 2,820,473 podcasts globally, ranked by Listen Score. So I was so thrilled, I can't even stand it. <laughs> so this show, thanks to you, amazing people who are listening and sharing and inviting others, is now in the 2.5% uh, top out of 2.8 million shows globally. Wow. Like, I can't even wrap my head around it. It's so amazing. And I love it so much. And again, I'm so grateful to you. Um, the other thing is, every Wednesday, I have a call with Mary Giuliani, who has been a podcast guest on the show twice, uh, to share her beautiful insights. And she and I are both working on our books. And so we've been helping each other through. Well, she's also a coach. And um, so she and I, she's going to coach me on coaching. And so I'm going to be, uh, over the next few episodes, offering a, a coupon code for all of you um, and opening up to a very small select group. We're going to do a specialized uh, coaching on trauma recovery. And um, it's not going to be a big, huge opening. So it'll be limited to... I don't know, somewhere between four and eight clients. Um, so if you're interested, be sure to, to keep checking out future episodes uh, for that coupon code so you can can be one. I'll, I'll do a um, wait list or a sign-up list too If um, for those who don't make it in on the first round. Uh, we're also going to work on doing a group coaching because group coaching is so amazing um, because it helps folks uh, resonate with one another and support one another and so you don't, don't just have the one-on-one -on -one, but you have the support of others who are going through a similar journey as well and uh, can offer feedback to each other so anyway just some upcoming um, exciting things going on in the world of Terry Welbrock and the Healing Place podcast so all right now for the show Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast and oh my gosh, my heart's so happy to have Stephanie Ray here today. We just uh, had a little chat beforehand and we realized, oh, we've been chatting for 25 minutes. <laughs> I guess we should hit record and start the show. So uh, so I just want to read down this list really quick about Stephanie. She is a board certified art therapist, mental health counselor, expressive arts therapist, yoga teacher, educator, international speaker, and author. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. So happy to be here. I enjoyed our com our pre-conversation as yes, well. Yes, our pre-conversation. This one's going to be just as awesome. I it think. is. So, totally. We're warmed up now. <laughs> right. Right. So, and I had to tell you, and I, I just want to tell everybody else, we'll, we'll give Stephanie's 
contact information at the end of the show, but I had popped onto her website and uh, immediately, immediately was drawn to, as so many of you know, who listen to the show, uh, angels are a big part of my life and I have my angel paintings. If you're watching the video, you can see the one my sister painted for me and it's an angel holding a heart. Well, Stephanie has one of her uh, one of her paintings is this beautiful angel uh, with a heart right there. And so I said, I'm going to have to go and order that. And so, yes. Oh, what a beautifully talented artist. So, yeah. Anyway. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Funny that this happened. I know I don't know if you believe in synchronicities, but I have a feeling that you do. Um, yesterday, I had someone come to my Art Flow Lounge, and she presented on the power of visualization. But not only the power of just visualizing, but uh, using the senses, right, to bring in that visualization. So sound, taste, smell, and then writing about it. It was very interesting. But yesterday, the thing that came up for me was about my art, and. It was a whole thing about like me being in this gallery and all my paintings are there. And then then this happens this morning, right? The first thing you talk to me about is my art. And so I'm finding <laughs> it really, really interesting that that was like last night. And then today you're like in her art because that is the essence of um, who I am and how I started my healing journey. Yeah. And so can you talk to us just a little bit about one of the things you do is, is art therapy. So what, what, how, do, how does that work? What, what does it entail? So art therapy is um, under the umbrella or is a mental health profession. And so instead of talking only, we use art to communicate with ourselves and each other. Um, we use something called the expressive therapies continuum. And we kind of can move on that continuum to access like a more emotions using certain mediums, or if we need to contain that, we can use um, something different, right? So let's just say watercolors or colored pencils. And then there's all the reasons why. But basically, if you can make a mark on a piece of paper, you can become involved in art therapy. You do not have to be an artist. Our focus is on the process, not the product. So we don't care how it looks at the end. It's, it's a way to tell your story without having to verbalize it because some stories don't have words like they happen too early in life or we just can't get there. Our, when you're working with an art therapist, we never tell you what your art means. You tell us what your art means. And sometimes you won't know right away. I mean, I have paintings that I've painted because now that I am an art therapist and I was not just an artist, but only an artist before, those two have fused for me. So my art is very process oriented, but then I have all the years of doing it. So a lot of times things do turn out good, right? Or what I enjoy visually, but I still do art that, you know, comes out differently. That isn't something that I would show in a gallery or sell or something. So it's about rewriting the narrative. It's also a sense of play, which is really integral to healing. Like, I don't believe that, you, well, I think that when you have a sense of play and you're working on yourself especially through, with trauma like if you you have to have some kind of joy some kind of play some kind of yeah that right where you're getting into your body you're having sensory experiences um yeah i just think that we really can't do the trauma work in isolation and for a long time that was the model i believe like for me anyway when i was in therapy years years of therapy there really wasn't a lot of discussion about that and that's how I started doing art in therapy, but not with an art therapist. So that was kind of interesting. 
Oh my gosh. Again, another one of those synchronistic moments because uh, I had started back to EMDR in the last few weeks. And one of the things we talked about was integrating play into um, in, in just to steer off that for just one second, we, one of my um, issues that was arising was a, the, this um, bubbling to the surface of fear of open spaces. And I live on a beach and I love the beach and being out there. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be afraid of the beach in this big wide open space. And so um, anyway, we did the session and it came, went back to an incident in childhood of soccer at nine years old where my parents were making fun of me jokingly jokingly, I put in quotations, of um, the way I ran. And so it, it, in the way EMDR works is so awesome because I was able to process, oh, if I'm in a wide open space and something scary happens, I can't run because, you know, it, it was just the way it, it like held in my brain. So anyway, went out and started like skipping and jumping and running and running backwards and being playful. So I yeah. love that you, you brought up the playful part of it because it is so yeah. important. It is. And, you know, um, I've trained with Dr. Kathy Malchiotti. I want to give her a shout out because she really has come up with this. She's like putting it into terms that people can understand and ways that people can study it. So I studied expressive arts therapy and her trauma informed, and I've been working with her for years and she has influenced my work a lot. So what I realized from art therapy is, okay, we have to get into the body. So then I became a yoga teacher and then I went to a Buddhist college for my undergrad. So I'd always meditated and then writing, of course. So I kind of incorporate all these modalities in addition to art now, because I think like you were saying, you know, you have to get into your body and you have to go skip. Like we, we can do that in art, right? Let's skip on the paper. And interestingly, we do, the work that I'm doing is very influenced by EMDR. And I'm thinking about doing that training because we do a lot of bilateral work in art therapy that we're drawing with both hands. And using it in different ways. So we have uh, that fused in there from the trainings that I've been to. So I'm really interested in studying and training for EMDR. I, I love that. And, and I, I highly recommend I, it really, it was life altering for me, but um, the bilateral uh, drawing. So just out of my own personal curiosity and probably the audience, um, yeah. do people tend to just draw create like crazy difference or is it subtle differences or is it a mix of both when you're they're drawing with both hands or painting with both hands or whatever the modality may be so it's interesting dr elizabeth warson introduced this to me and she does equine work encompassed with emdr and expressive arts i'm training with her and we also have a course so i'm learning how to work like this um but one of the things that you learn like bilateral drawing came out of occupational therapy And it really was about working with the vestibular system, right? So balance, that kind of thing. And so what I find when I'm working with people doing, working, uh, moving with both hands is that people really start to learn, like, can they move their hands at the same time? You know, is there a leader? Is there a follower? Is like, I've had people, I've done this before in groups and there'll be someone who cannot do it. And they kind of, it scares them a little bit, right? Right. Right. So, and there's different ways we do it. We do it in the air without art materials. We do it on big pieces of paper using the whole wall. We do it on little pieces of paper. So it's kind of mirroring environments, right? Like how do we respond? Like you saying, you know, you had this fear when you were in a big open space. I wonder what would have happened if she would have put up a big piece of butcher paper. How would you have drawn? Would you have gone like this? 
or would you have automatically been able to take up the whole space, right? So I think it mirrors, they're mirrors for each other. I'm, I'm answering your question. Um, but yeah, most people um, with the bilateral movement, they'll start to move their bodies a lot of times in rhythm. So I'm thinking about a certain flow, like a infinity symbol is one that we do. And you'll see people moving their bodies. Plus we'll add music sometimes to kind of evoke moods. Um, so it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Oh, I'm intrigued. And it's, it, I mean, just so crazy to me and awesome. And just such an awesome level when you talked about it. And I was thinking about being in a car and we were in this big open space, headed to Charleston. And I tend to want to like close it on myself. And so when you were talking about it in my head, I was not kidding. I was drawing these very tiny little circles, and but they were, they were small. Like I was closing in on it. Oh, yeah. So that's something you could even do. You don't even really have to have paper. It's kind of more fun. And then you get different art materials and things like that. Like chalk pastels are the best for this. Um, but some people don't like the messiness of them. So choose your own. But, you know, that's even something you could practice. Like, I remember one time I had to take one of those really intense board tests, you know, like oh, yeah. a licensure yeah. test. And I literally was sitting in the, the testing center. If you haven't ever taken one of those, it's really like, it's really tight security. Like, you can't bring food, oh. you can't bring a purse, all the things. And I'm sitting there in this waiting room, literally doing my hands. I was doing bilateral work to calm myself down. And it was like, I'm like, really, you should do it with me. <laughs> right, right. Let's all do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so I use it, you know, even if it looks weird and tapping, right? Oh, you my God. Tapping. So I'm way into meditating and um, it's just really helped me through all of this healing journey um, yeah. over these past few years. And one of the one of the things that's been coming up probably in the last six months is when I'm in a pretty good meditative state and, and doing it, I am finding myself following this infinity. And sometimes I feel my head doing this. And so hearing you talk about it, I'm just loving it because I said to myself, well, I must be needing this for some reason. Maybe it's like a self-soothing thing. Like, what is this? Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Oh, anyway. Um, so yoga, let's check, let's turn into that a little bit. We don't really, we haven't really touched upon that in quite a while on this show. Um, is there a particular practice that you, you teach or do you just recommend more? It's for like just the breathing and the re-regulating of the system. So I'm trained in Hatha yoga. I actually yesterday just finished my 300 hours. So now I'm a 500 hour registered yoga teacher. <laughs> I just keep like, I like to learn, you know, it really is about the learning for me. And I feel like one of the ways I refer to myself and I hope it's not demeaning. I don't mean it that way is I am like the person you come to, like, if you think you can't do art, you need to come to me. If you think you can't do yoga, come to me. If you're terrified of meditating, I'm your girl. Because what I do is I break things down. I call it the one inch square, which I got from Anne Lamont. She has a thing that's start with a one inch square. And I've always used this since like the nineties to get myself started with things. And so all, all what I teach is yes, like the yoga, yogic is breathing. Yoga is meditation. Yoga is the asanas. It's, it's a lifestyle, right? When you really break it down, yogi, yogi lifestyle, it's a lifestyle. So, but what I do is I teach beginners. And my goal is sometimes it is just breathing and that is yoga. 
you know, I do have flows, like I'll make 10 minute flows in my art flow lounge, 10 minute art, 10 minute yoga, three minute meditation, two minute writing thing. Because, you know, a lot of times people talk about, I'm too busy. I can't fit these things in. I can't sit still. I can't focus all the things. Right. So I try to break it down to where it's like, you almost can't not do it. And so I'm for yoga in the work that I do, it is about entering the body, having a starting place, um, and then starting to introduce some asanas. And I do it in a chair a lot of times because I want to be able to reach people with different abilities. Yeah. And so when I say, you know, if you think you can't do yoga, like, because I am not like the yoga lady you're going to see on Instagram, you know, like I'm yeah. And I never would have been even when I was younger. So to me, it is really powerful going, doing slow yoga, incorporating just a few poses. Like, so we accomplish something, right? So we feel like we did this thing for ourselves, And then we have these little tools in our pocket. I hate to use the word tools. But anyway, we have these, these things that we can go to in our pocket to help us through our days and to help us when we get triggered, to help us when that anxiety comes up. So that's kind of my framework and, and how I think for my work Yeah. For, for the greater good, not, you know, in therapeutic setting, a clinical setting, it's going to look different and last for longer. But my art flow lounge I created because I wanted anybody to be able to do this work. Yeah. And I want to get to your art flow lounge. Yeah, yeah. That's just amazing. But I just wanted to bring up really quick. The yeah. One thing you had said was, you know, going into your body. Yeah. And so um, I know, again, for me, uh, when we first started doing breath work and when I first started doing yoga and meditation and all that, it was it was scary for me because. I had always been terrified to be in my body because that's where the scary memory, body memories were, or the scary thoughts or, you know, the racing thoughts, whatever, all of that from panic and anxiety from trauma history. Right. So um, is that what you're talking about? Like you help people with that part of it, like being able to be at least comfortable in your own body. Yeah. So like at first, even learning to tolerate, right even though that's not the best word, but when you have a, when we have trauma histories and we haven't been in our body, like we disassociate or all the things, right. We, you have people on your trauma, you're talking about trauma on here. So, and now that we've been through a global pandemic and are still in it, a lot of people have a lot more understanding of what trauma feels like. And so, yes, learning to enter the body, learning. So first to tolerate it, but then how to move beyond tolerating it. And just understanding that, you know, sensations are information. This is what I believe. Um, and we can have an emotional reaction to that. That's okay. But let's feel the sensation and try to understand what is it telling us? You know, sometimes that, that sensation just wants to move out. And in expressive arts therapy, you know, we would have all the things to allow that to happen. It might move out through breath. It might move out through a sound. It might move out through a song. It might move out through lines on a paper. So it's, it's really, instead of just having to breathe and tolerate it, I work with people to find a way to move it out or move it around. It may not be something that needs to leave. It just needs to be reorganized, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I, again, I just so resonate with that because that curiosity part of it, like, what's this trying to tell me? What, what, what lesson is to be had here? Or yeah, just, just being cognizant that, Hey, it's here. Um, 
and let's see where it goes. Right. Yeah. I can tell you for me when I started in therapy. So what happened is I had a fire when I was about 23 and I drove home from work and I lost everything I owned and I watched it burn. So that was super fun. And after that happened, I could not stop crying. So it was like, that was the thing that like cracked me open. I had been just kind of like this because of my own trauma history. I just kind of was a straight line across, like not too happy, not too sad, didn't cry, didn't get angry, totally probably disassociated for most of my life. And um, so after this, I couldn't stop crying. I moved to Boston and found a therapist. She was a movement therapist, but she had me start trying to draw my emotions because I couldn't even identify emotions. And so I started making the lines on paper. They ended up turning into like kind of bodies and figures. And so that was interesting, but that became my language. Then we took those drawings and I would like stack them up the ones that I thought were alike and then started to learn about emotions. So that was kind of what, what my entry point to using art was like, I wasn't, I didn't grow up being an artist. I, you know, like some people came out of the womb drawing. That was not me. Um, and I tell that story just so that people understand that you can do this work. If you can make marks on papers, you can do this work. And then sometimes amazing things come out of it, you know? Yeah. Other than what the goal was to resolve your trauma. Sometimes you find this passion for, you know, decorating because you love color or amazing things have happened for the people that I've worked with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I, I just, I think it's so amazing that you just help people who, how you said you can just draw dashes lines on a paper, because the first thing I was thinking was I totally couldn't do this because I, I suck at art. Like I'm so bad. I, well, not like I can write as a, my mine is writing or photography, but if it comes to drawing, painting, whatever, um, but I love that idea that it doesn't really have to, it's just what, it's not really, I, don't, I almost said it's not really art, but it's, it's like my expression, yeah. not some expectation of what it should be. Right. Because the first thing people normally think of with art is drawing or portraits or something like that. Right. And really that's mathematically based. You can actually learn how to do that if you want to learn proportion and things like that. So now some people naturally come out and they have a brain like that, right? They can see that, but most people have to learn how to draw and it's based on math. So if you want to do that, you can go do that. But, you know, then I think the interesting part is who are you as a person when you express? And then art, to me, art, I guess, like if you're doing it as a profession to sell it or whatever, those two kind of merge, right? So you learn techniques and then learn who you are as an artist and then that comes together. But what happens is a lot of times people that have their technical skills don't really ever have to develop that other part, right? Because what they make is relatable. People can see, oh, that's a tree, that's a this, right? And, and I have been friends, you know, with so many artists and been in school with so many artists and they've struggled with that. Like, who am I? Where's my personality in this, right? And so I've worked with people like that as well to help them find their creative thing that makes their art theirs rather than just the technical aspect of it. So that's an interesting thing that happens as well. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I totally understand that. And under, yeah, that if you're just doing what you've learned and not letting that emotional expression out. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So let's go back to, um, and my, I have menopause brain. What is it? So you have like an artist's room. Is it, what is it called? Oh, the art flow lounge. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That thing. I know. 
it sounds like a bar or something. But I love anyway, it, no. <laughs> yeah. It, it can be whatever you want because it's virtually. Um, right now it's virtual, right? I started it during the, well, I started in December, but I had the idea for it for a while. And basically it's an online membership site. It has its own dashboard. And within that dashboard are videos that I've recorded and guest speakers that we have come in the lounge. And they're broken down into sections of art, writing, meditation, and yoga. And I really built it, like I said earlier, you know, for people that are busy, for people that maybe shy away from this a little bit because of whatever, like they can't keep their mind still, you know, all the things that I hear as objections to doing these things. So I kind of catered it to overcoming those objections. Like, yes, you can do these things. And it's also for people who enjoy doing these things. There's a lot of art therapists in there and, and artists and musicians, all different kinds of people. Um, and you don't have to be any of those things though. That was really my passion because I feel like if I could reach more people and bring this to them, then more people get to do this. And to me, like creation is really something that's basic in humans. But in a lot of ways, we've lost touch with it because of the society we live in. Um, but it's interesting during the pandemic, how many people started doing arty kind of things, right? Like everybody was renovating, not everybody, but people were, you know, fixing up their apartments or renovating their homes or cleaning out and becoming minimalist or, you know, they started gardens. So people really, it was so fascinating in this huge crisis, people walked towards expression. They walked towards creation so powerful. So I really wanted to do this. And, you know, I have people in there, like I have someone that's in the banking industry. Um, and I, I was invited to do a corporate thing at her bank and I call it an expressive arts experience. So for an hour and a half a month in the lounge, um, I do a live every single month. I have a guest speaker every month and then I have all the stuff in the, the dashboard and I add to that. So that's what we do in the art flow lounge. Um, it is a monthly subscription. It's less than a dollar a day. So, I mean, come on, um, right. you know, it's kind of modeled on the, the NPR or the. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. I'm so excited. I, I'm going to have to go join because I, I, I just love the idea of it. And is it something that people could just come and go into it as they need things and it has like prompts or. Yes. So one of the ways that I set it up, first thing is I set it up where you can follow a six-week journey if you want to. And within that six-week journey in the dashboard, it has four things a week, but each of them are like five or 10 minutes. So basically you're looking at spending like 15 to 20 minutes, maybe 25 at the most during seven days. If you choose to do it that way, you know, some people need that. Like, what do I do? Okay, we'll do this. And that's how I began it. So, but those videos, you can also just find individually and just pick one out and do it. So if you feel like doing 10 minutes of art and, and a lot of the ones that I have in there now are very basic. Like if someone has never used watercolors, you know, this is the video. Um, so it's kind of like a, a smorgasbord or an a la carte. Yeah, so you can, yeah. use it, you can use it as a full menu or you can use it as a la carte. And then as I, I guess, inspired, I, I try to put at least two to three new videos in there a month. Um, and, you know, people give me feedback, too, on what they would like to learn. Or So I'm finding the balance, you know. I'm, I'm looking for, we launched in December and did our founding members launch. I'm supposed to launch again in March, but I am open to accepting members because, you know, I'm new and learning. And, and I need feedback, right? I need 
people to tell me what they need. I need people to tell me if they like this or don't like this. So that's kind of where I'm at with the membership now. Of course, I would love it to grow and all the things, right? Right, right. But I mean, it's really making a difference to people. And like I said, I'm being invited into their workplace. You know, they would love it so much. They're like, oh, you think you could do this for our wellness program? And then so I had like 21 people that work in the bank banking industry doing expressive arts. <laughs> it was so cool. That is so cool. I mean, just it's just fun. And it's so fun. And you know, what happens is a lot of times, like this group, a lot of the people in this group have never had not done art since childhood. Right. And they had these memories. Like I had them come up with symbols, lines, or shapes. And after it got going, this one guy was like, oh, lucky charms. So he had this memory. Yeah. So it brings up, you know, things. But a lot of times it brings up uh, good childhood memories, right? Because normally we stop doing any kind of art around 11 because it's not offered in school anymore. You have to choose to take it. Before like grade six, it's part of the curriculum in the United States anyway. Um, In some places it's not. I was an art teacher in elementary and I was the first art teacher they ever had in a small town in Texas. So anyway, so a lot of times it does, it brings you right back to that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's so crazy. You said that because I instantly, when you said that about taking you back to a happy childhood memory, someone had given our family like this giant roll of, of paper and it was just a thin roll. And my sister would my little sister would stretch it all the way down the hallway. And then we'd have all the little kids from where we grew up in an apartment complex, all the little kids in the apartment complex would come down and we'd all just lay on our bellies, you know, next to it. And we'd yeah. draw with crayons and pencils. And we just would just, and just, but just all that laughter and giddy as we were just being silly and drawing fun stuff. And yeah. what a fun, happy memory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know what, for every reason though, it really does usually lead back to some joy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't really, I haven't studied what that's about, but you know, the things do come up because I'm having them do a group exercise. So sometimes it does come up and they don't see what each other's doing. So they don't see what they're doing till the end. So they're doing a group thing together, but they're doing it individually. And so we talk about like what came up and they're like worried about what they're going to look like or, you know, comparing, uh, they find that, you know, their perfectionism, like I won't let them erase. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and it's different for different groups, but this one is just fresh in my mind and, uh, it's just super fun. You know, it's super fun. Yeah. I do that with the writing prompts. I tell, you know, don't edit, just, just write, just go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we are, uh, I told you we could just, uh, this conversation would just take on a life of its own. And so is there anything that you wanted to tap upon, touch upon that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Well, I do think that I want to bring up one of the things that can be truly accessible for a lot of people. I know it's not accessible for everybody, depending on where you live, but a really important aspect to all of this is nature and being in nature right even if that's like a park in a city or and just really feeling your feet on the ground touching a tree you know if you live by the beach i live by the beach as well so sometimes even by my house i can smell the salt air that's pretty cool um you know listening to the trees rustle or the leaves rustle just getting in touch with nature in some way 
is is a form of play as well. Yeah. It's slower, I think. Well, depending on what you do, right? You might go skiing. If, but, you know, to try to find, bring plants in. You know, I kind of kill plants, but I still have them. But I kill them. I don't know why I can't do it. They're just always like, Ugh. anyway, it's a whole thing. But I try to have plants. <laughs> They're revolving. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, like being in the water, if, if you're able to go swim. So there's something about being in touch. So I guess like it's related to being in touch with your senses. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, it reminds yeah. me of that five, four, three, two, one mindfulness. It's very, yeah. I, I use, I use nature for mindfulness practice every day. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's what it reminds me of what you were right. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something. And just orienting to your space during the day. Like if you're working in front of a computer, you know, like you just said, find five blue things in your space, find three green things, find two, you know, yeah. and just letting yourself move. Cause sometimes we sit in front of our computers for day hours, you know, and don't ever look away or only to go eat. So just, there's so many things we can incorporate into our day that are small little things that can make a huge impact to our physical, mental, and emotional health. And that's kind of my goal is to help people with those three areas through the yeah. fun. Beautiful. And I, I couldn't agree more. So one of the reasons I was drawn to your angel painting was the heart. So I find hearts everywhere, like a, a wad of gum. We, we went to our daughter's lacrosse game the other day and we were in the bleachers and I looked down and there was a wad of gum, but it was in the shape of a heart. And I was like, oh, so, you know, some picture. There. And I did, I took a picture and then yeah. I put it out there in social media. So, but yeah, I, it is fascinating to me. It's like, I've become more cognizant in using my senses, being very mindful of being in the now especially in nature. Oh my gosh, I find hearts everywhere. But it's not just that it's um, I, I was watering a plant yesterday and just mindlessly mindlessly standing there. And then I said, I decided for whatever reason to look down at this plant, <laughs> this poor little gecko dude, you know, he was about this big little, you know, two inches long, I was just showering him. And he was just like, I don't quite know where to go with this, all this water streaming at me. And I was like, Oh, Buddy, I'm so sorry. So I stopped. But had I not taken a moment to be mindful, right? I, I, I would have just washed this little guy. I know he just would. I just would have blown him off the, you know, the plants. And so <laughs> the guy's like, oh, no. funny. But that's so nice that you're so mindful about it. You know, I have a little daughter that's, oh, she's 11, but same way with any kind of animal. I can't even tell you how many things we've rescued and had to find oh, the rescue yeah. place. Little baby, you know things squirrels and rabbits that's a big thing around here little baby rabbits because they bury them in the hole and then they go look for food and then sometimes they don't come back but anyway right. um so yeah being mindful is very very important and it can change our planet you know i saw something today and then i'll shush um someone was saying you know i hate my job i want to do something to make a difference and all that stuff right and of course i completely have compassion for that but i also think that as humans, we really underestimate the power of what we can do in small incremental ways throughout our day in the way that we treat ourselves and others. And that's why this works so important to me, because I think if we can teach some of these things and, or not even teach, but reignite in people, because I believe that as humans, we are meant to express in different ways. You know, I don't want to say everybody's creative because that can really like turn, shut people down. But I do believe that we are because you think about accountants, they have to figure out how to do the money, even though there's parameters around it, but we can create those for ourselves. But I think that, you know, everybody can do small little things like, you know, paying attention to the lizard, right? Right. Or 
I don't know. There's just so many things we can do. Just even if we just do one little thing, you know, you see it on TV. If you just like recycle all your little caps, right. From your water bottles, if they won't do the whole bottle or taking the time to play so that your mood's a little bit better. So that you're reacting, not you're responding to people, not reacting. So, you know, as in this culture in the United States, we tend to tie everything to money. Like I want to do something to help people, but it needs to be a job. But that isn't really real, right? Like you all can't be a nonprofit or all of those things. So I think there's so much we can do, like create that within your workplace, right? right? Start right. the movement. That's yeah. the thing. Be the, oh. be the change. I know. I love it. I mean, I, again, yeah. I love that mentality and it, and it, it doesn't just like help the world, but it shifts something within ourselves when we just yes. come at life with a little more um, compassion and just being cognitive of the world around us. And from, you know, saving spiders and taking them outside. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. it's you know, just a, a mindset. Yeah, Einstein said that imagination is more important than knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. That is a powerful statement. Guy. But yeah. he would have never gotten to anything if he wasn't didn't have an imagination, wasn't curious. Like I think curiosity is one of the most important things. You know, when we when you're feeling like <laughs> dead inside, because we can all relate to that, I think most people anyway. Um, get curious, become curious, George. I'm older, so you if you know that book, you know. If not, you should look at it. But you know, he <laughs> curious George. That's what my nickname was as a child. Oh yeah. Even though I'm a Stephanie, it was That's George. So cute. <laughs> yeah. Because I was so curious and I was always asking questions and what are you doing? And I want to go and drove everybody crazy, probably. Yeah. Um, but I'm still that way. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I've learned boundaries around it. <laughs> So but, funny because my parents used to tell me, oh my gosh, you would drive us crazy because you would constantly ask why, why, like how I would always be asking the questions because I wanted to understand. I wanted yeah. to know why are we doing it this way? How, how do we do that? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what changes the world, right? Because we're not just following the status quo. We're not just always following the rules that someone made that, right. you know, rules need to change. Things need to change. And we're in a huge oh, yeah. shift you know, and, and paradigms are shifting and people can get into a lot of fear when that starts to happen. So the, these things that we've talked about today are ways to negate that or, you know, help regulate our nervous system, which we really, it's all in there too. Right. Um, helping with that window of tolerance, helping managing the fight, flight, and freeze. I mean, there, we could talk for days. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, breaking it down into ten, one inch squares is, is much more helpful for people that aren't familiar with this language or aren't familiar with this work and even people that are because sometimes you get so far into it and it's like oh my god I'm so overwhelmed I'm never doing this again right right so the important thing is like to maintain a consistent practice of something for small amounts a day or multiple times a day if you can and not everything having to be this big production you know right. like no. you can sit down for seven minutes take out a palette of watercolors that are five dollars from Michael's or the dollar store and paint on some paper and it can shift your whole everything. Yeah. I love, I, and again, I'm so glad you brought that up um, because when I first started doing everything, I'm not kidding. I would put it on my daily calendar and yeah. it would say, meditate, 
and it would say read and it would say nature walk. And it, so I would list all the things that I wanted to do. Now, I didn't always get to all of them. No, yeah. Even if I said, oh, nature walk, gosh, I need to get up and move and just go outside and walk around my backyard. And, and like you said, I would touch a tree sometimes just to feel the grounding of it and think about the roots going into the ground. And I wonder how long this tree's been here and what it's witnessed. And, you know, just kind of letting that curiosity and imagination go. And it yeah. did, then it became habitual. So I, it was changing those habitual patterns. And then yeah. it just was like, oh, I need to get up and go for my little nature stroll. <laughs> yeah. And then it applies to your work because you come back kind of refreshed with a clear mind or a curious yeah. mind. And maybe you were having something you were stuck on and it, you can apply it to your real life. You know, you do that, you come back before you were kind of irritated with your child if you're homeschooling them during the pandemic. And that might have happened. And um, still homeschooling, by the way. And, you know, you have more patience or you can put yourself in their shoes, like how hard, why they're kind of amped up or whatever it is. Right. Right. So we become better when we do these, this work for ourselves or this, I don't even like to call it work, but these, these one inch squares for ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think they're just gifts. I mean, yeah. what a gift you're giving people. It's beautiful. So oh, thank you. Yeah. All right. So how do, how do people find you, get in touch with you? So if you want to get in touch with me, you're going to go to www.stephanierayarts.com. And my last name is spelled W-R-A-Y. But if you put stuff, it'll come up. I think it'll come up pretty quick. And on there, you're going to find my artwork. You'll find about, about my therapy practice. I can see people within the state of Florida. And then there is a button to be on the wait list for the Artflow Lounge. Okay. If you want to learn more about the Artflow Lounge, it's www.artflowlounge.com. I know, uh, front slash apply. And you don't have to apply, but that page will give you all of the information about the Artflow Lounge. Wonderful. All right. Well, it has just been such a joy. And again, I could sit here and talk to you for hours on end. And um, thank so thank you for being so a part of this space. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was amazing. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the academy.terrywelbrock.com for the courses. But if you go to my website, terrywelbrock.com, you can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for, uh, again, healing and hope strategies. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.